Hello, and welcome to Sobercast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting Sobercast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. My name is Peter, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Grateful to be alive and sober and part of a sacred place called Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, first things first, thank uh, this committee for uh, having me here and uh, specifically Mark uh, for the work he's done on his first attempt. I remember uh, Mark pretty much coming in and uh, I was speaking uh, either North Jersey or upstate New York. I get confused, but there was nothing around but this meeting. And uh, Mark somehow got up there. I don't know if he thumbed the ride. I don't know how he got up there. And he had no money to get back. But he came up there because there was a little bit of a workshop happening. And I kept seeing this guy show up at places and not knowing how he's going to get back, just like an alcoholic. Get them, you know. We usually find a woman to bankroll the whole thing, but that's a whole other meeting. Um, but... Um, and then he married uh, uh, Dawn, and uh, he's putting on this conference, and we get to see the age of miracles happen right in front of us. And so when I think about Mark, I think about how about sobriety and how about God? So if we can just give it up for him and Dawn and the rest of his community. So I'm grateful to be here to get to share my experience and hope with this step three and this vital decision. I'm grateful to get to share about this power call God that I've gotten to experience in the sacred rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. A loving God separated me from alcohol June 23rd, 1988. And I'm here tonight to talk to you about being a recovered alcoholic. And I say recovered because I am anything less than that great fact would be falsely humble. I don't say recover to separate myself from anyone in this room or be unique or sound like an expert. That's not what the intent is. The intent is just to share the truth that's been given to me in the sacred rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous that took me or drove me to a loving God, God of my understanding, and took me from a scrap heap to here tonight as a recovered alcoholic. And that's just the great news that we get to share and bear witness for others. So, I'd rather be accused of telling the truth than be accused of telling a lie. And so I'm here to talk to you about my truth, which is a recovered alcoholic, recovered from a single hopeless state of mind and body. And I'm very grateful for that. This year, these talks that we get to do, this is not work. Lots of times folks say, hey, are you nervous about speaking? And my answer is, I just hope I don't show up for one of these. You don't want me showing up because that would be the fear-based, egotistical, self-driven, approval-seeking alcoholic, and you know how that sounds. So what I do is this, let this be a reflection of what I've been doing since the last talk, which was last night, by the way, but that's a whole... <laughs> All week long, what I do on awakening till I close at night, let this be a reflection of some current experience. So there is no preparation, whether I'm doing a workshop or just a straight talk. There is no preparation. I don't come with notes. What I do is hide out in my spiritual bunker, and I surrender to this power called God. And I keep an empty vessel and let that spirit push and let the words flow. So I have no idea what this is going to look like or sound like, but if I'm aligned with God, I'm sure I'll be able to do something okay tonight. June 23rd, 1988 was my separation from alcohol, and I had no plans 
on landing in Alcoholics Anonymous or let alone doing something like this. My best plans always let me depend on me because a real man doesn't need anyone and my life blew up and through the gift of desperation June 23rd 1988 I surrender to a loving God and what he does is give me all of you and I have a dependence upon God to walk free in life I could depend on other AA members because the intent is pure and I can walk free in life so this here is fun this is not work I get to talk about God I get to talk about the experiences that are freely given to me I get to talk about a daily surrender deeper levels of surrender and my brushes up against God which aren't always pleasant, but they're brushes up against God and some oneness with this power called God. But it didn't start when I just came to Alcoholics Anonymous. It started before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous in the back of a filthy hallway in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, which is just across the bridge. In fact, when we were driving here, coming through Manhattan, going over the Brooklyn Bridge, Marion and Jimmy were kind of looking at the, all the wonderful little sights, and I'm saying, I, I was doing this, I got arrested there, overdosed there, beat up there, you know. And it, uh, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, you know. But this is fun. We get to talk about this stuff. We get to share our experience, strength, and hope. Right? June 23rd, 1988, I was in the back of a hallway maybe a few miles from here. And I had no clue what was going to happen to me, but the gift of desperation showed up. I didn't have to go look for it. I didn't have to go look for God. I didn't have to go look for a truth. I didn't have to look for anything. It was delivered to me when the intent was pure and there was a bit of an opening. And that was my surrender. I wasn't planning on landing in Alcoholics Anonymous. There was nothing left for me to even grab onto. Well, I'll get sober for her, I'll get sober for my parents, I'll get sober for a job, I'll get sober to keep my reputation. All of it was gone. I stood before my Creator in the raw, June 23rd, 1988. There was nothing to lock into, but I don't want to die. And how dark it is before the dawn, because my plan wasn't landing in another treatment center, number seven. My plan wasn't certainly to land in Alcoholics Anonymous and be an upstanding member of this fellowship and a small spoke in a very big wheel. That wasn't the plan. I don't want to die. That's all I asked for. And he gave me you. My God is here to seek and to save. My God's pursuing me and pursuing every one of us. And all we have to do is stop for a moment because I'm always busy trying to do something. And usually the stopping is in a surrender. I can't do this whether we're drinking and sometimes that gift of desperation will will find us while we're in Alcoholics Anonymous and we're bottoming out in Alcoholics Anonymous because of untreated alcoholism. My life today is not about just recovery from not drinking. It's recovery from alcoholism. Because I can be in Alcoholics Anonymous, my first six months in Alcoholics Anonymous, without a drink in me, without any kind of chemicals in me, and I was looked like a drunk without a drink in me. I was completely upside down, driven by a hundred forms of fear, a prey to misery and depression. I was still having God problems, and then I was starting to have problems with you, and little by slowly I started to get thirsty again. Because what I do is pour booze on my alcoholism. It works. That's why I return to it. So I got to taste untreated alcoholism. And that was just as painful, if not more, than putting a drink in me where I can wash the night away. So I bottom out again. It was, I never forget the day. It was December 22nd, 1988. 
And I was really thirsty. And it's only by the grace of God that December 22nd, 1988, almost six months to the, uh, almost six months of sobriety, that I didn't pick up a drink because I bottomed out in AA. And again, I was living in Minnesota. It was like 45 feet of snow out and 10,000 degrees below zero. I said, what am I doing in this place? Right? I felt loneliness again. I felt fear again. Suddenly the meeting a half a mile away seemed like 10 miles away. I was all alone. I didn't know what to do. And I said, I got to go drink. It's better than doing what I'm doing. And I began this journey. And I said, I'm going to go into the first bar I see, the first liquor store I see, the first drug dealer on the corner. And while I did that, I piggybacked it with, God, I'm in trouble. Please help me. Another surrender. Not thinking much about it. And I kept driving, and I kept driving, and I kept driving, and I wound up at this guy's house in Cottage Grove. And I knocked on his door, and I says, I have a problem. I don't know what to do with myself. And I kept going and kept going and kept going. And when I finally paused for a moment, he said to me, Pete, where are you with God in the 12 steps? I says, when do you start the steps? He says, when you stop throwing up, you're late. Untreated alcoholism will take me back to a drink. And it was only because of God's grace that I didn't get drunk December 22nd, 1988. What I love to shout (coughs) from the rooftops is that we get God's grace when we're not drinking. We get God's grace, the gift of God. Like we take care of our children, we give them our food when they're hungry. We'll go hungry just because they're ours. We get God's grace. But there's a difference for me with the getting God's grace and experience that power which gives me grace. I get to experience oneness with God. For so long in Alcoholics Anonymous, I would go into these little places, and they were subtle, where I would try to wrap stuff around me. Approval, money, relationship, things, external conditions, just wrap them around me. So I felt validated. I can validate myself because I got stuff, and you can validate me. Look at what I've achieved. I I am someone. And what those things were were bandages around this empty vessel that had nothing. I was empty once again. And those things are short-lived, and I'm looking for more and more and more. It just never, never remedies the hole in the soul. So I've had more surrenders in Alcoholics Anonymous back on my knees, and what happens is those things get removed. God gives me in abundance. God gives us in abundance. He's always giving. And what I have found out on this journey, God giving doesn't mean I'm going to get something new. God's way of giving sometimes is removing stuff from me. That's how he gives. Things that are going to cause me pain and suffering. Things that are not good for me, although my mind says I need more of this. And every time I bottomed out, God has rescued me, seeking and saved me, pursuing a relationship with me and remove things. And my instant reaction through the mind was, why is God doing this to me for? Why is he taking more stuff away? I was getting freer. Quick story, a handful of years ago, I was working in Texas, working as hard as I possibly can, 80-hour weeks for a treatment center. Fill the place up, built from the inside out, I build it. And then they drop me like a hot potato. And I'm down to Jersey Shore. It's Labor Day weekend, and I'm out of work. And I'm thinking, who in God's name is going to hire me at my age? I know how to do one thing, and that's the treatment center business. I can't do anything else. Where am I going to go? 
Now, God knew I'd been looking to move to Florida for the longest time. I did my work in Texas, and God said, enough, I'm going to put you somewhere else. I interpreted it as God dropped me on my butt once again, removed my income. Why is he doing this to me? And what he did was set me up to move where I'm of maximum service to him right now, an effective agent, and where I work, and my community down there. I couldn't see it at the time, but God's way of giving was removing. My brushes up against God or my oneness with God, my mind would always tell me it's going to be joyous, happy, and free. It's going to be wonderful. I'm going to hit Powerball. I'm going to have a new car. <laughs> it's going to be an easy walk. When we, I, I use the expression brush up against God. When we get that taste of God, when we're experiencing oneness with God, that path happens to be for me an incredibly narrow path and a very narrow gate to which I'm about to walk through. Which means everything about me, no matter where I am in his journey, is going to be challenged in a new level of surrender. And he's going to take me on paths I didn't plan on, valleys I didn't plan on, peaks I didn't plan on, and I get challenged all the time. And what I have found out, it's on his terms, in his time, in his way, and all I can do is lock in and take the ride with him, because it's better than anything I can come up with. Huh? It's a narrow path to which I'm walking. Many of us are going to walk a wide path, even in Alcoholics Anonymous. Instant gratification. I want what I want when I want it, and it feels good right now. That's not going to bring me to what Bill talked about, utopia in Alcoholics Anonymous. I got to get pruned, continually pruned, in order to bear good fruit. That doesn't feel good. And the ego fights for its life when that happens. When I get on the other side of the archway, I take all credit for all my growth. I get on the other side of the archway and I look back on the journey he put me on and I feel blessed. Here's what makes me keep going. Why do I keep going any lengths with a few years sober? Why am I continuing to seek this power called God in his glory? Why do I continue to pray and meditate three times a day? The same reason I came in here and locked into you desperation and surrender and the path you guys put me on I never walked before. The God you guys are offering me, I never experienced before. And the method to get to that God, I had no clue what it looked like. And the only thing that allowed me to see one foot in front of the other was that light, that fire that burns in all of our hearts to get right with something, usually a God, and I look for it in the bottom of a bottle all the time. When that didn't work, now what? I still need to get something. I need something or somebody to make me right in here. And you guys, little by slowly, spoon feed me God. I like the effect produced by God, so I keep moving. And I enter the world of the Spirit, and I don't get free room and board. It's about growing and understanding and effectiveness. But I like the effect produced by God. I don't think about drinking anymore. I don't have obsessive, compulsive, negative behaviors anymore. And still with that, the mind kicks in and wants to take over. Just recently, we all know the current events that are happening. Some gruesome things were shown on TV. My first reaction was this. I'm going to Brooklyn in a couple of days. I'm rounding up some old guys. We're locking a load of we'll go over there. We'll straighten out the mess. That's what I was thinking. Because the people who are running the place 
our country doesn't know what they're doing. I want to be careful not to break a tradition. But my mind was, I need vengeance. I know what I need to do. I'm taking over. I'm impatient. And I was getting restless, irritable, and discontented. And I was plotting revenge. Mr. Spiritual, plotting revenge. <laughs> and it was justified in my mind. Well, thank the good Lord, Wednesday nights I called my sponsor. I had my inventory. So I wrote inventory on this. And the pen was pushing against the paper. I need vengeance. Vengeance is mine. Huh? Justified anger. And I read my inventory, and my sponsor showed me some things. And by 11 o'clock that night, I was on my knees, a new depth of surrender, because what that was was really about me, and me getting what I want, and my fear showing up of what might happen if I don't fix this. And it went on and on and on, and it's not my business, it's not my job to fix, my job is just to be an effective agent for God. Not have an apathy. But how can I possibly fix that? Because soon as I hit you for hitting me, I'm guilty of what I just accused you of. And my teacher says, you turn the other cheek. He's got my back. So it was a new level of surrender, and it didn't feel good. Looking at Every time I hit a new depth of surrender, I get to look at new demons in me, if you will, that get exposed. I don't like that. I like to think there's nothing left in the back of the closet anymore. But here I was Wednesday night on my altar, on my knees saying, Father, please free me from this. Your will, not mine, be done. It was a turning over of this once again and another surrender. Went to work Thursday. That was in the past. Went to work Thursday morning. I wasn't blind to the facts that are happening, but it didn't have me anymore. How could I possibly serve God, how could I possibly be a servant in Alcoholics Anonymous when I am a slave to things, when I am a slave to worldliness, rather than being centered in godliness? It makes no sense. And how many times we walk around saying we're servants for God, yet we're slaves to everything. I need things, I need reputation, I need approval, things to make me feel okay. It's hypocrisy, and a house divided against itself can't stand. I can't serve two masters. And Wednesday night, I was looking to serve two masters, Peter Spiritual and Peter Lock and Load. <laughs> I was calling Tommy Taraka. Where is he? He was on the first guy I was calling. Right? So I do a surrender in step three and turning it over. When I was a newbie, I got here. You know, my sponsor did this, I do this. He says, do that, I do that. It was the flying blind period. But desperation, hey, you're sober five years, 15 years, 20 years. Your life seems together, so I'm going to do what you do. I had no idea what I was doing. My intent was pure. And what we did, he had me write out the third step prayer word for word as appears on page 63. And underneath that, write my interpretation of it so I knew what kind of those words meant. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. We didn't talk like that in Brooklyn. It was kind of different. (laughs) So I had this prayer personalized because what happens is we have to be the book. It has to be part of my beingness. I shouldn't have to remember. I remember Don once told me, you're going to get to a place one day that you'll be able to take someone through the steps without having a big book in front of you. And I said, that's blasphemy. How could you do that? (laughs) And what he meant by that is, if the book becomes me, 
oneness, my beingness internalized, then I can sit down and walk you to the work. I don't have to remember about the step. I don't have to recall what I did 20 years ago. It's current. And so this prayer became internalized. And I remember after I wrote down the prayer, my sponsor had, uh, had me meet him, and we held hands on our knees, and we did the third step prayer together. And I didn't wait 90 days and 90 meetings to do my fourth step. I launched out in a course of vigorous action at that moment. And I got to see my unmanageability when we went through step one. Why I need this power called God. That I was doomed to drink no matter what. Whether things were good or things were bad or things were right in the middle. I drink. I'm an alcoholic. There's no power choice called. I'm drinking. I'm doomed. And while I'm not drinking, I'm going to experience untreated alcoholism. Which means I'm going to go on sprees. And I'm going to merge remorse with the firm resolution. I'm not going to go on a spree again. Because if she finds out I'm divorced. If the boss finds out I'll get fired. i got to get it right. But that pain of being alone with all of the noise in the head, the 10,000 voices, I need to escape, so I go on another spree. A food spree, a sex spree, a money spree, a spree. The biggest spree we all go on is thinking. We're always thinking. Always thinking. Some thinking, when is this guy going to shut up? I'm tired, it's 9.30 already. Thinking. Always thinking, we're always thinking. In fact, when an alcoholic, I ask him a question, he says, let me think about it, i get back to you. I go to somebody else. I don't know. Ten o'clock at night, if we go back to ten o'clock last night to right now, how much good did our thinking provide for us in in twenty in twelve hours twenty four hours? Think about it <laughs> that thing you can do well, I can think about this with the if when I try to figure stuff out, I need to think about this. I need to figure this out. What I'm really doing is turning my will and life over the care of my mind at that moment. My mind is Buddha, Allah, Jesus, it's God. Let me think, I gotta figure this out. I'm not gonna call my sponsor. I'm sober 26 years. I am gonna figure this out. I'm gonna think about it. My mind just became God. How often do we do that during the day? My sponsor pointed out to me, anytime I'm in that kind of thing, I'm in self-reliance, which means I'm practicing dishonesty. Because I made a commitment, step three, that my life was none of my business anymore. Isn't it interesting, when we're on a spiritual path, we get really clear, that my, I got really clear, my life is none of my business. My recovery is none of my business. But my God allows me to participate in it as if it was. This talk is none of my business. Me being here is none of my business. What I do for a living is none of, it was none of my business. I just suit up and show up on an invitation. But soon as my life and my recovery becomes my business, and again, I don't mean apathy when I say it's not my business, when it becomes mine and I take ownership of my life and my recovery, guess what meets me is my ego and fear because suddenly I'm afraid of losing something that I own. And it's a huge attachment to another external condition. It's none of my business. My Heavenly Father will take all my money if it's right for me, and will reward me with money, will give me a job, remove a job, whatever it is to prune me to be an agent for Him, because that's who I work for. And when we're in that place, 
You can hit me, it'll feel pain, but you can't hurt me. You can throw me under a bus and verbally abuse me. It'll hurt. It'll hurt my feelings, but you can't hurt me. I'm in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Because I have the arms of God around me the way God has the arms, His arms around us. So I saw my desperation in step one that I'm going to drink and I can't stop drinking. When I'm not drinking, I'm in unmanageability and fear. Oh my God, what am I going to do? And they pointed to the solution in step two. That this power, I will get to a place where this power is going to give me wholeness of mind, truth, God. Well, I'm not driven by fear. I'm not seeing the world through fear. I'm not hearing the world through fear. I'm not acting out of fear. I'm not listening to thinking mind. But I'm being moved by spirit. And we get to a place, experientially I can talk to you about this, bear witness, that we get to see the world through God's eyes and hear through God's ears. And we get to do God's work. That's what we're here for. But what was in the way, what were my perceptions and conceptions about this power called God? Old belief systems, old ideas about this power called God. When you talked about spirituality, I heard religion and I would bristle at antagonism. And those were one of the blocks in my way and another surrender demanded of me. I don't know about you, but when I was, even now, if I'm going to buy a car, I do my due diligence. I like XYZ car, I go online, I see the best price, I see what kind of colors I like, who has the best deals. If I'm going to buy a house or real estate, I want to do my due diligence, investigate, do what I have to do. When I was buying dry goods out there, I wanted to know where Flocko was and if he had the best stuff. (laughs) We do our due diligence. Isn't it funny when it comes to belief systems that we were given and we buy into that no longer work, we never do due diligence. I just honor it and fight for it, even though it doesn't work anymore. My whole life was completely upside down. Desperation once again. So my perceptions and conceptions about God were wrong. I was the one who had the problem with God. God didn't have a problem with me. Not an all-loving, all-forgiving God. Even for all the things I've done, all the bad decisions, all the people I've hurt, God didn't have a problem with me. It was me towards God. And I had to get that. And one of the ways I got is by hearing you guys tell your stories about some of the things you went through and were still able to be feel forgiven and have peace with this power called God. I wanted what you guys had to offer. Keep moving. Chop wood, carry water, keep moving forward. This power called God is going to bring me to wholeness of mind, to sanity, where you're telling me not only the obsession is going to be lifted, but I won't even be thinking about drinking anymore, and my life will be of maximum service to others. It's, I'm not going to be consumed with me like page 62 talks about, but less about me and more about you. And my life is going to get better Okay, let's keep moving. In chapter 2 Agnostics, they make it really clear over and over and over again that I didn't need to consider anyone else's conception of God. Whatever conception worked, was I willing, yes or no? Was I willing to go to any lens? I don't know about you, but I went to many, any lens to keep the drunk going. I have the ability to go to any lens. If I'm not going to any lens in AA, it's because I just don't want to. I'm lazy. And beyond that, I just might find truth. And the truth sometimes is just a little too much to bear. 
I like my little spot in the corner, not sponsoring anyone, no commitments, just hanging around AA and dodging bullets every day. I'd rather do that because there's greater pain and not changing in the change itself, but I'll settle for that because that's what I know. I'm used to pain. This requires self-searching and leveling of pride for me to move forward. And I had to be convinced that drunk or sober, my life's unmanageable. 26 years sober, if I decide to start running my life, it will quickly become unmanageable. It will unravel. And you'll know about it quicker than I do. So I show up to step three. And my higher power was a G.O.D. group of drunks of a good only direction. I felt safe around you. I would sit with some of our old timers and hope they say sit next to me because this is good. I'm in the club. I used to go to a, a group in Bay Ridge, not too far from here. There were a couple of guys who were my idols in Brooklyn. And when they knew my name, they said, kids, sit with us. This was a big deal. They're at the meeting. They're always sat in the front. Good. I'm safe. Group of drunks, good only direction. That was my higher power. It was, it was a matter of how much willingness I showed up to. A mustard seed of willingness and the mountain will move. That's all this is required. I don't need a PhD in addiction or alcoholism, yet I go to so many meetings and workshops and speakers sound like you need a, a PhD just to open up the big book. It gets really complicated quick. The book is simple and easy and God is simple and easy and open. There's some requirements. But it was a G.O.D. group of drunks for good only direction. Okay, keep moving. And I start to discover me as to where I was in this step three. But my sponsor didn't allow me to sit in there a long time because it was about moving, action, commencing, changing. Page 62 talks about selfishness and self-centeredness. That we think is the root of our troubles. Roots on a tree are underground. You can't see them. They hide out. I confront really well, but inside I'm dying. And as my ego starts to reemerge, or I show up in here with an ego the size of this room, I'm not going to let you in because the ego will deny, will not want you in. i got to front. i got to look good while I'm dying on the inside. I need it to be broken. I need to be broken in here and continually broken on this path because that's all I am. Alcoholics Synonymous, and forgive me for saying this, but we're a room full of broken toys. I'm broken, and in my brokenness is my surrender to God. My third step, I'm turning my will and life, my actions and my life over to God, and my thinking and my actions over to God, because I've made a mess of it. In my brokenness, I'm floored. And the only way I can get rent fixed is to the touch of His hand, and nothing less than that great fact. There's a force feeding of humility. Regardless of how much money I have, what, how successful I am, how poor I am, what color I am, I can't run my own life. I can't do life on life's terms. I drink trying to do life on life's terms. I do bad things trying to live life on life's terms. My book is saying life on God's terms. That sounds foreign to me. I don't know that walk. And suddenly what gets in the way is the way. But only through desperation and that fire in the heart that I'm going to say, I'm going in. It's got to be better than this. I'm broken. Alcoholics Anonymous says all those toys on Christmas morning with missing parts and no batteries. It's broken. The things you throw in the corner. 
And God got us all together. And the touch of the master's hand, how do we become productive again? These broken toys. By complete surrender in our brokenness, little by slowly, he fixes us. It makes no sense. The whole spiritual life makes no sense. That someone like me or people like us who show up in the condition we show up, Park Avenue, Park Bench, we just can't do life. And little by slowly, through his grace, get put back together. We become effective agents for him and become productive members in our communities. We raise families. We get jobs. We show up for work. I practice fidelity to my God. I practice fidelity in my relationships. This is new territory for someone like me. But it happened to me in Alcoholics Anonymous. And little by slowly, I become employed. I become back in my family. I have some integrity. I have some self-respect. I have respect for you. And it goes on and on and on, chopping wood and carrying water, just by the grace of God. What happens when we get to experience the power that gives me grace? Look out. We erupt. We catch fire. Recovery is contagious. The same way we, I infected people when I was drunk. And not because I'm so powerful or my my alcoholism was worse than anyone else. Alcohol is alcoholism. I infect people. I hurt them just by walking into the room the way I used to. Then I come into Alcoholics Anonymous and they give me this book and they give me a sponsor and they give me all of you. And they deliver me a God. And I get put back together. Which makes no sense. The spiritual life makes no sense to a mind. But in God's world, it's just the way it's supposed to be. And that awakened spirit goes back into the home that we infected, goes back into our communities that we level, goes back to work, the jobs we lost, get employed in new places, and that awakened spirit begins to touch the lives of others. Do 12-step calls. Go get the drunk who's falling apart. You walk in the house, the wife says, get him out of here. The kids are afraid of him. The house smells and looks drunk. It looks like a drunk on a drunk. And then we bring him in here. We go get God's lost sheep. And bring him back to the flock. We get the power in Alcoholics Anonymous to heal the lives of others. Now, contemporary meetings will say, oh, that's a little extreme. No, it isn't. It's truth. Based on my track record, I'm not supposed to be here. But you put me back together with his power. That's what we do. We heal people. We get people healed. And you work with that drunk. And then you go back to the house in six months, nine months, a year from now. The entire house has changed whether he or she's an Al-Anon or not. Going to family therapy or not. The power of one drunk with an awakened spirit is an army of many going into that home. And now raising those children and going back to work. We ought to be a pep rally for the power of God and Alcoholics Anonymous and the pep rally for the great work that God does for people like us, all his broken children. On a Friday night at 10 o'clock, we're listening to an AA meeting. That doesn't make sense. But we're here. And we'll be here tomorrow morning if he wakes us up. And we'll patiently wait online to thank a speaker for sharing everything. Because it's no longer about me and it's no longer about us. It's about what we can do for others. My Lord, let's shout that from the rooftops in some of our local meetings, huh? Rather than just put the plug in a jug and have a nice night. This vital decision. Nice little fancy name for the third step. Vital, life-giving when I have it. 
and life-threatening when I don't. A vital organ gives me life. If it's damaged, I die. God is vital in my life, my experience with God, my oneness with God, my growing and understanding and effectiveness with God, my seeking this God, my surrendering to God. It's vital. My book says, be careful if I rest on my laurels, I'm headed for trouble. Guys, trust me, I get to do this a lot. The eagle will get me where I know I'm doing good. Oh, I speak a whole bunch. I'm special. (laughs) I better be grounded. I better have a sponsor I'm accountable to. It's interesting. I call my sponsor Wednesday nights. 8 o'clock, I'm on the phone with Mickey. All my inventory. I've been disciplined to the spiritual life. I have a big book in front of me. I have my notepad with my inventory. I have a pen in my hand. Sometimes we'll talk about scripture. Sometimes we'll talk about book. Sometimes we'll do inventory. Sometimes we'll just talk. But I'm sit there willing. I come back from a conference on a Sunday. Once I'm on the phone with him, he doesn't say, how many people were there? Did they like what you said? He says this, you have any inventory for me? Let's get grounded right away. The only thing I've been given is the gift of awareness, the greatest agent for change. Awareness, because I've seen a lot of people crash and burn when they got too comfortable in their chair and Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't need to be accountable. I'm sober this long. I don't need to be accountable. I sponsor a lot of men. I don't need to be accountable. I speak. So I want to make sure my car is running good, my consistency, my accountability, and my responsibility to someone in Alcoholics Anonymous, starting with this power called God. So on awakening, I hit my knees, and closing at night, I hit my knees, and I hit my knees in the middle of the day and work with some religious uh, 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 practices. I'm seeking God. He's seeking and saving. I can seek Him. So I hit my knees with my sponsor, and we did the third step prayer, and he gave me instructions for step four. And what I have found out through the teachers that God put in my life, the way I do step three is four through nine. My third step prayer is an affirmation of the bottom of 62 to the middle of 63. He's the father, I'm the child. He's the principal, I'm the agent. An agent represents the principal. LeBron James is the principal. He has an agent. That guy goes out and makes deals, goes back to LeBron and says, yes or no? He says, yes, no, I'll think about it. That's what we get to do. Effective agents for God. That's what my book is telling me in step three. We're agents for this, for this principle. How am I doing with that task? And God could have gave that task to great minds. He could have gave it to PhDs, all sorts of doctors, all sorts of religious men, gurus. He gave it to another drunk to go get another drunk. That makes no sense. But it worked. 79 years we're here. And the basic thing we do The basic service we do in Alcoholics Anonymous is you getting with me and taking me through the work. One drunk working with another. Thank God we haven't lost that. And so I finished my third step prayer. My sponsor gave me instructions and off I went. And I saw that that third step prayer was an affirmation of the considerations on 62 and 63. And somewhere, as I'm doing four, as I'm doing five, as I'm looking at six and seven, as I'm into amends, I've turned my life over to this power because there were plenty of times through those other steps I had doubt and skepticism. 
You know, spiritual growth doesn't occur until I turn, until I go into the unknown, and that unknown can be really scary. Okay, God, let's go. I'm going in. You better be coming with me. Spiritual growth, turning it over once again. I'm looking at the fourth column. Oh my God, it's about me. I can't blame anyone. Oh my God, let's go in, and the pen keeps moving. I'm turning it over once again. Got to go sit with the sponsor in five. They're going to know everything about me, everything, including the sex inventory. Okay, God, we're going in, and He gives me the courage, strength, and direction, and here it comes. And I get freer as I experience the death of self. I get lighter as I experience the death of the ego. And I become present and mindful to where I am, what I am, and my breath. And this is the only moment I can really experience is the breath I breathe. That's it. That's where I find God. Not yesterday, not before, but in this breath. That means I need to die the death of self before the physical death. And the only power that can do that is God. You go to Barnes and Nobles or one of these big bookstores, there's books on top of books on top of books on how to be spiritual, how to, how to recover from addiction. There was one book called Ten Ways Not to Be Angry. The title pissed me off. I mean, it was all like, yeah. <laughs> All these books. We come into Alcoholics Anonymous and we have a big book with 12 spiritual disciplines. And they say, if you follow these, great things will happen to you on the inside that will manifest out there. That makes no sense. Our fellowship has changed. A lot lot of young people coming in. Different dynamics in our meetings from time to time. God doesn't change, nor does our 12 steps change, nor does the first portion of this book change. It doesn't change because they work. My job is not to have AA fit me, but me fit AA. Me surrendered to this book and me surrendered to this God. That's vital for me to do. So it's a daily surrender. June 23rd, 1988, that wasn't the plan. I just didn't want to die. And I went into my seven treatment center. I tried Alcoholics Anonymous. They said, don't drink and go to meetings. If I cannot drink, what do I have to be here for? I leave the meeting and get drunk. Get drunk on the way in. Share drunk. Criticize the speaker drunk. <laughs> and go back on another drunk. Try to kill myself in a flea bag motel in Staten Island one time. Couldn't do that. Couldn't get drunk. Couldn't get sober. Couldn't kill myself. A, it doesn't work. My religious community doesn't work. What do I do? I can't take it. God's got it in for me. Brought me to the edge of a cliff where my nails were dug in and there was nowhere else to go. No attachments. There was nothing left, but I don't want to die the first time in my life. I don't want to die. My nails were dug in long way down. Father, please take me from this. He lifted me up and put me in treatment number seven. And 30 days turned into 60 and 90 and six months and a year. And I'm here tonight. And I still chop wood and carry water. And on this path, over the last few years that I'm sober, 26 years, I've had money and I almost filed for bankruptcy. I've been employed and I've been let go. And I've been unemployed. I've been married and I got divorced. And when I got divorced, the house went, including all my money. I remember going to the ATM and it said insufficient funds. And I said, where did my money go? She had it. What do I do now? I remember trying to get a job and I couldn't get a job. I couldn't get arrested. I couldn't do anything. 
Why? Why? Why are you doing this to me for? What did I do wrong? And I would bargain. I would argue. I would have skepticism again and doubt again. And I would bottom out and say, Father, your will, not mine, be done. I'm not figuring this out anymore. I did it after my divorce. I did it when I was flat broke. I did it when I went to a lawyer that said I need to file for bankruptcy. It was about turning over once more. How dark it is before the dawn. It seemed to be every time I surrendered and completely let go of my life because it's none of my business, somehow I found the path again. That was that things were accumulated. My belief systems, my ideas, my comfortability, and what makes me me. Money, a relationship, a car, and a house. Now invaluable. I couldn't see the path anymore. How much money do I need? How much money do we need? Just enough not to need God. How much success do I need? Just enough not to need God. When God sees that, He's going to take it. There's a reason why I was born. There's a reason why God got me sober. It's to go be of service. I work in the morning. Boss, what are we doing today? What do you got? Where am I going? Well, 8 to 4, you're going to work. And tonight, you're going to go work with a drunk. Then you can go to bed. Okay? You're going to get tired. Your knees are going to get scraped. You're going to be exhausted. You might miss some meals. You're going to get a phone call at the god-awful hour. You're going to work and work and work and work, and I will take care of you. Or I can do it on my own, get my belly nice and fat, and die a drunk. I'd rather go to work for my God and surrender every day because he gives me, and I don't mean to, he gives me paradise. He's given me my family back. He's given me friendships. I got, there's a guy in here, Tom Needham, I know forever. I can see him every three or four years. It's like we spoke yesterday. He's given me values and integrity. He's given me Marion and Jimmy and some other folks in here. He's given me a job, self-supporting through my own contributions. He's given me care for other people. And all he asks for is seek me. My third step for me, when it's all said and done, is me seeking God. Father, your will, not mine be done. I'm out. What do we got to do next? Let's do inventory. Let's find out the things that are in your way that keep you blocked from me and keep you blocked from them because I have great work for every one of you to do. Based on our track records, we're supposed to be here on a Friday night doing this, getting on planes around people we don't know, another hotel room. But we do it for fun and for free. I'm so glad my life was none of my business. I'm so glad for my elders and Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm so grateful that I'm teachable. And I'm so grateful that next to sobriety, the greatest gift I've gotten is knowing that I am known by my Creator. What a freedom. What a gift. How about sobriety? How about God? Huh? That's all I got. Peace. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.